The Retropod podcast is sponsored by United Concordia. United Concordia is proud to welcome newly eligible military retirees into the 2019 FedVIP program. And we're unique because United Concordia has military retirees who can help you throughout the FedVIP enrollment process. United Concordia Dental, our mission, healthy mouths. Hey, history lovers. I'm Mike Rosenwald with Retropod, a show about the past rediscovered. Earlier this fall, Sandra Day O'Connor, the nation's first female Supreme Court justice, announced in a public letter that she was withdrawing from public life. Like her late husband, O'Connor is suffering from dementia, a sad decline for a towering legal mind. Her letter struck a wistful tone. O'Connor marveled at how a cowgirl from the Arizona desert could reach the highest court in the land. My greatest thanks, she wrote, to our nation, to my family, to my former colleagues, and to all the wonderful people I have had the opportunity to engage with over the years. But it turns out that wouldn't be her last moment in the news. A week after O'Connor issued the letter, the country was gobsmacked to learn something truly extraordinary about her relationship with one of those former colleagues, the late Chief Justice William Rehnquist. For almost all of O'Connor's tenure on the court, Rehnquist was, as justices like to call their leader, her chief. But decades earlier, he was her beau. We know that from Joan Biskupic's 2005 biography of O'Connor. In the early 1950s, Rehnquist and Sandra Day, as she was known then, attended Stanford Law School together. They shared notes. They studied together. You know where this is going. The future Chief Justice of the Supreme Court and the future first female justice fell in love. Biskupic's biography deals with their relationship in just a few paragraphs, suggesting it wasn't all that serious. But... It turns out it was, at least to Rehnquist. They didn't just date. He proposed. How do we know? Well, Evan Thomas, a best-selling historian and biographer, is working on a new book about O'Connor. During his research, he discovered letters between O'Connor and Rehnquist that shed light on their earlier relationship. NPR's Nina Totenberg detailed what Thomas had found the week after O'Connor made her sad announcement. In one of the letters, written after Rehnquist had graduated and moved away, he wrote that he needed to see O'Connor to discuss important matters. He wrote, To be specific, Sandy, will you marry me this summer? Unbelievable. But by then, she was already dating a different law school student, her future husband, John O'Connor III. Their son, Jay O'Connor, told NPR that while he didn't know of the Rehnquist proposal, the family did know that she was apparently a hot item. He said, multiple men proposed to my mom when she was in college and law school, and ultimately, my dad was the one who was the real deal. There was never any hard feelings between the two future justices. They had homes near one another, 
in Arizona. They socialized, and of course, they worked together on the highest court in the land. O'Connor's son marveled at it all, how they didn't wind up married, but on the high court together for more than 25 years. Rehnquist died in 2006, as his casket was slowly carried up the steps of the Supreme Court, O'Connor stood near the top, wiping away tears. I'm Mike Rosenwald. Thanks for listening. Special thanks to Michael Bryce Sadler, who helped report this story for the Washington Post. And for more forgotten stories from history, visit WashingtonPost.com slash Retropod.